Everyone loves a good family mystery, especially one with as many twists and turns as June's journey. Step into the role of June Parker and search for hidden clues to uncover the mystery of her sister's murder. Find hidden clues and uncover a murder mystery. Solve mind-teasing mysteries of the Roaring Twenties. Engage your sense of observation to find hidden clues. Search for hidden objects from the parlors of New York to the sidewalks of Paris and uncover a collection of dazzling hidden object spectacles for you to solve. We're all here because we love true crime, right? Well, this game has the perfect twists and turns to keep your brain asking, what happened here? There's nothing I love more than getting to decorate my very own luxurious state island. The best part? You can chat and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. What's up, everybody? And welcome back to Black Girl Gone Afterthoughts. Of course, I'm your host, Amara. And I am here with my husband and my co-host, Jason. What's going on, y'all? So this week, we decided that we were going to um, re-release three episodes of Missing Women that we covered back when we kind of first started, back in 2021. And... All three of these cases were just stories that I felt like just needed more attention. And um, with all of the new listeners and new people to the show, I felt like it was a good time to kind of bring those episodes back to the surface. Because like I said, with over a hundred, I said in the Instagram post, with with over a hundred plus episodes, it's really easy for episodes to get lost, especially when we're coming out with a new episode every week. And I know that people, you know, some people binge listen, some people don't, some people are just trying to catch up. Um, But because of that, I felt like it was just a really good idea to bring those stories back up to the surface. And then with the addition of Afterthoughts, it would give us the opportunity to then discuss them during Afterthoughts. Yeah, and I think you told everybody, we told everybody that uh, this was going to happen. Yeah, for Um, sure. Warned you guys about like Mm -hmm. maybe six afterthoughts about but uh, I think it was very very necessary just because of you know these yeah. stories not being known mm-hmm. um these stories didn't get a lot of coverage mm-hmm. and um uh it was important for you to just you know re-highlight yeah, some exactly. of these stories that um, need to be told and people need to know about yeah and obviously there's other stories that we've covered on the show that um are, are in the same, you know, predicament and you just need more attention. But, you know, these are just the first three that we decided to do. Um, and I kind of wanted to, like I said, start from the beginning. And, you know, Jennifer uh, Jennifer Blackman's story, getting her and Darian mixed up, Jennifer Blackman's story um, was was episode six of the podcast. So we're right. talking about very, very early very on. Very early. And so if you, if you even listen to that podcast, it, it sounds a little different. That episode sounds a little different in terms of... The- just the uh, style. The because, cadence. Yeah, the cadence, everything. the style, because <laughs> it was my sixth episode, guys. So I was still kind of getting used to my writing style and how I wanted to tell these stories. And and then it was also a story that didn't have a lot of information, but it was a story I still wanted to tell. So, Which is a good way that you um, elevate a podcast for any podcasters. Yeah, exactly. Just, like know, Find ways to make it 
you know, more understandable, whatever. And you improve, like you know, if if, if you, we're even trying, we're even trying on. I think if you listen to any podcast perfect. from the beginning, even a podcast that's been around for a long time, like five years, I'm pretty yeah. sure if you go back to their first episodes, they're going to sound different than their episodes you're listening to now right. because we grow as we learn this. And I, you know, for those of you who don't know, most of you do. I had never done a podcast before. This is not my world. This was a new endeavor for me, a new environment. So I had to get used to it. And and as we continue to grow, I'm sure when you listen in 2025, the episodes from 2022 and 2023 won't sound the same, you know, because we're going to grow. But anyway, so back to the stories. So yes, so this week we just decided to do these three stories. And so we're just going to talk about them a little bit on Afterthoughts. Um, unfortunately, there hasn't been very many updates in any of these stories. The Ali Gilmore story kind of had the most updates because a uh, suspect has been identified or a person of interest. But in terms of the other two stories, there's not a lot of new information. But that's also the reason why we brought these stories back up because they aren't being talked about. And these women are still missing. And um, the more that we talk about them, like I said, in, in with, with this platform, especially as it grows, it just bring attention and make their names more recognizable. There's a lot of people who don't know the name Jennifer Blackman, who don't know the name Darian Hudson, who don't know the name Allie Gilmore. And hopefully, you know, through retelling these stories and, you know, recapping them, it'll make their names more recognizable. Yeah, and in, and in the space of missing persons, mm-hmm. I will say that um, 2020 and 2017 was not that long ago. No, it wasn't. So, you yeah, know, we're not talking um, about you have even... two of these cases that's very, very recent. Well, yeah, I mean, very Jennifer recent. Blackman, like I said, when I started this, I started the podcast in March of 2021, March 2021. That's when I started the first three episodes aired on March 15th. And not very long after that, uh, Jennifer's friend reached out to me and and told me about her story. And at that point, Jennifer had only been missing since December of 2020. It had been three months at that point. So this was very new. And so the fact that now it's been over two years and Jennifer is still missing and there hasn't been very much um, attention or information about her case is, is, you know, one of the reasons why this story, for out of all the stories, all my stories that I tell always, you know, mean something to me, obviously. But this story does hold a special place in my heart because of the timing in which it came to me, the the trust that her friend had in me to want me to tell this story. I didn't even have a big audience at that point, but it 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 helped open my eyes to the needs of people in that situation, of the friends and family of the missing and people whose murders have been unsolved. They just want somebody to listen to them. They just want somebody to tell their story. And this story, the Jennifer Blackman story, opened my eyes to how much that was in need in this in this space. Um, for these families, so. Yeah, so um, Jennifer Blackman, missing since December 22nd, 2020. River Rouge. 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 Yeah, I think uh, it's Rouge. Okay, <laughs> sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, River Rouge, mm-hmm. Michigan. Yes. Let's recap that story. Yeah, so I I know it's River Rouge. I, I, I think I said River Rogue on the podcast, I mean, on the episode. Yeah. So I apologize for mispronouncing the name of the town. I, 
I thought it was River Rouge. And then, you know, sometimes in your head, you're like, it's not River Rouge. You got to be River Rouge when I'm <laughs> reading it. So I apologize. But somebody did correct me on TikTok. So I, shout out to you. Thank you, sis, for letting me know. She said, it's, it's Rouge, like Moulin Rouge. Fa- and I was she like, gave okay. you the phonetic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spelling. And she helped me realize because she said Moulin Rouge. I was like, oh, Rouge, like Rouge. Like, you know, okay. So um, it's River Rouge, Michigan. So like I said, when the story first came to me, um, Jennifer had only been missing for three months. And it's a story where it just, it just, it broke my heart because Jennifer is a mother. She has four children. Um, her oldest daughter was at that point just getting ready, getting ready to graduate from high school and all of these milestones. And it was three days before Christmas. And it, it just was, it's, it's heartbreaking that she vanished the way that she did. And then of course that now the time has gone by. But so December 22nd, um, Jennifer disappears, but Jennifer was living in River Rouge, uh, Michigan. Like I said, she had four children. She was, um, a entrepreneur. She had a job working as a notary. Um, and actually on that day, she was supposed to be meeting a client. According to what we know, she was supposed to be meeting a client to, um, kind of wrap up business, you know, a couple of days before the holidays. Uh, she had car trouble. And so uh, she asked her dad to you know, look at her car, and but she needed to make this appointment. So she ended up borrowing her daughter's car. And she leaves and um, Jennifer never makes it to the appointment. Um, the person that she's supposed to meet reaches out to her family. It's like, hey, what's going on? You know, I know, you know, I haven't seen Jennifer. She's supposed to meet me. She didn't come. Um, you know, and basically nobody ever sees Jennifer again. And, um, what we know is that the car that she was driving, her, her daughter's car was then found on the street that she used to live on. So another part of the little background of the story is that Jennifer had recently gotten divorced or she was in the middle of getting divorced. She separated from her husband and she was living elsewhere. But the car is subsequently found on the same block okay. that the house that her soon-to-be or ex-husband lives. Okay. And the problem is, is that there's no reason that her family knows that Jennifer would have been on that block or or any indication. But so basically, that's kind of the, the background of, of Jennifer's story. And... Um, like I said, but when when her family reached out to me or her, her friend reached out to me, Jennifer had only been missing for three months and there wasn't um, a ton of information, but there had been some things that they had been able to find out um, through a private investigator because the police haven't um, given up a lot of information from the communication that I had with her friend, they weren't, they didn't have a lot of information coming out, no reporting really about the police when there was um, media that reached out, like local media reached out to the police. Back when I did this episode, um, they didn't want to make a comment because they said that, you know, it was an ongoing investigation. But of course, like I said, here we are uh, two years later and her family doesn't have any answers and Jennifer is still missing. So, yeah. Yeah, well, I think it's a great job uh, by you that you were able to connect with that family and uh, get that story um, and to be able to share it. Um, Let's go to Darian Hudson, missing since October 26, 2017. This is Stillwater, Oklahoma. Yeah, so 
Darian's story is the second story that I chose to bring back to the, I just keep saying bring back to the surface. I don't know why that's my term, but whatever. Um, I, that I decided to re-release this week to bring more attention to, that sounds better. Let's, to bring more attention to this story for, you know, those who are new to the podcast or just may have forgotten about Darian's story. And, um, like I said, on the episode, there's not a lot of stories that I find from this part of the country. And that's what kind of stood out to me at first about this story was the location, Stillwater, Oklahoma. Um, you know, I have a personal connection to the Midwest, like I mentioned in the episode. Yeah, you're not from Philly. Yeah, we, I'm not from Philly. We not, you're not from Philly, we know. Yeah, yeah, You, you didn't yeah. come here till you was <laughs> three years old. Yeah, I was a little, I was actually ordered a day. I was hold, like, hold up. Oh, I was. That's crazy. So I was. Should know this shit. Seven, I guess, six or seven. Because I was going into. I started second grade. I went to kindergarten and first grade. So she's not from here. When she been (laughs) repping Philly hard, she's not from. She's not from these streets. I'm more Philly than. I'm more Philly than a lot of people that's from Philly or born born in Philly. Anyway, so um, so anyway, back to the story. So. So so yeah, so Darian's story um was a little bit older, obviously. <laughs> this was 2017 that Darian went missing. So now we're talking <clears throat> um coming up on almost five years since Darian was last seen. And Darian's right. story is one of those stories that's really a, a mystery. I it's it's there's there's so many things about this story. Um, even as I went back and and read the story, you know, the, the script and listened to the episode, it's one of those stories where like I'm I can close my eyes or not close my eyes as I'm reading, but I can imagine I should say like imagine just the scene playing out of these things going on with Darian, except there's no conclusion to these things. Um, so Darian's story, she just the recap, she was living in. Like Stillwater, Oklahoma. Um, she was working at um, a restaurant and uh, a local Chili's. You know, just every pretty normal. You know, life didn't nothing out of the ordinary. Um, didn't have any children. Um, she was getting ready to go to nursing school, and um, you know, just you know, just young living life, and. On Saturday, October 21st, um, you know, she called her mom and, you know, tells her every, you know, she's rolling in school. Everything is, everything is fine. You know, nothing, nothing seems strange. But, and this is one of the things about her story. And I mentioned this in the episode, the, the timeline about the disappearance was kind of a little different depending on which news outlet you saw. But Basically, what I was able to gather was that the week of October 22nd, that Darian was scheduled to work her shift at Chili's, but she didn't show up for work. And um, her friends, you know, between that day, the 22nd, and then like the 25th, her coworkers are calling her. She's not answering. Nobody is. She's not answering the phone. They can't get in contact with her. Um, And no one has seen her. And her friends start to get worried. And so they call her mom and let her mom know what's going on. Um, Her mom ends up going to um, Darian's apartment. She calls the police, goes to Darian's apartment. And they notice that Darian's apartment door is open. And they go inside and her phone is there, but there's no sign of Darian. Um, 
eventually, you know, please do some, you know, canvassing, can't find Darian. And then about a month later, they get a hit on Darian's credit card, on debit card. And they track it to some construction worker or a man who said he was a construction worker. And he says that he found Darian's credit card and or debit card um, hanging on a purse um, on a construction site that he had worked at. And this is a, a month later, months later. And, um, you know, the police, I, I guess, check him out, but there's no... Um, there's no evidence that he has anything to do with it. They end up then talking to construction workers that had been in the area at that time. And they did report seeing Darian. One reporter seeing her on a on a on a like a slab, like a cement slab, okay. looking like she was waiting for someone. Um then they end up finding Darian's um, things inside um inside in a wooded area, like behind this construction site. They find her hoodie. And inside her hoodie, they find her wallet with uh, her ID and money inside of it, I believe. So you have all of these things. But the problem is, is that, of course, the Darian is never found, even with all of these little pieces. And that's why I say that what happened with Darian is so mysterious, because we know that people don't just vanish into thin air. But there are these little... I don't know, like pieces, trinkets, I don't know what you call it, about her story that it's just like, I feel like if this story had got, gets the, or could get the attention of someone who has that, you know, investigative power, one of these cold case type of, you know, people, that they could figure out what happened to Darian because there are things there that we know. There's, of course, a ton of stuff that we do not know. But there's always things that were very suspicious to me about this story. You know what I mean? Like, just very questionable about this case. And so, yeah. Okay. Um, good information. Let's um, go into the, the last recap. Yes. Um, so we can get to some other things um, yes. about the stories. Mm -hmm. uh, we're talking about Allie Gilmore. And she has been missing since February 3rd, 2006, from Tallahassee, Florida. Yes. So, Allie was a 30-year-old woman living in Tallahassee, Florida. And she was four months pregnant when she disappeared. And Allie was, um, gotten married. She was married. But her and her husband had been having issues, and so they ended up separating. Um, Allie started dating someone else, but then her and her husband decided to reconcile. Allie found out that she was pregnant, and so, you know, she was really trying to make this relationship work with her husband. But um, on February 2nd, something had happened. Allie was upset about, you know, she had gotten a report that... Um, there were property taxes were going up on her house and, you know, she was pregnant and emotional and she just, you know, was, was upset that day. And so she left work. Um, she was, she spoke to her husband at around 845 that night um, because they were going to counseling. And so she was reminding him that they were going to a counseling appointment. And that was pretty much it. The, Next time 
someone tried to reach out to Allie. She's not answering the phone. She doesn't show up to work. Um, she doesn't show up to the counseling session, which she was supposed to be at um, on February 3rd, but James doesn't show up either. And then Allie's coworkers, who you know were also friends of hers, they knew about the counseling session. So when she didn't show up for work that morning, they weren't immediately... Uh, you know, concerned. They knew what was happening. They knew that she had this counseling session. And they figured that she was going to be back at work the next day. Um, But she didn't come to work. So the next day is Saturday. James is calling Allie. She's not answering the phone. He goes over to her house, knocks on the door. Um, She's not answering. He kind of figures that she must be mad at him because he didn't show up to the counseling session. So at this point, he is, you know, he doesn't, you know, according to him, he doesn't know anything. He just knows that he didn't show up to the counseling session. He doesn't know that she didn't also show up. And so that's James's conclusion that she's just, you know, mad at him. But when the next day that Allie is scheduled to be at work comes and she doesn't show up, her coworkers immediately know that something's wrong. Um, They go over to her house. They knock on her door. They notice that her car is in the driveway. So that is immediately suspicious to them because where would Allie be without her car? She, you know, must not have gotten far. Um, And they notice that her bedroom light is on. And so they call the police. Um, The police come, they knock on the door, um, and they end up getting, gaining access to the home and they find that Allie's um, uniform is in the house. And so, you know, it's pretty clear at this point that something is going on. Um, Subsequently, you know, a missing persons report is filed and, you know, they begin searching for Allie. And of course, she's pregnant at this point. Um, It's pretty much assumed that she did not just leave. The police know that by, you know, kind of talking to the people that knew Allie and what was going on in her life. And... Yeah, there's searches conducted all over Tallahassee. They put up billboards. You know, it's it's it was actually a pretty big news story in Tallahassee. But Allie is never found. She's she's never found. And for years, there was really no information about her case. No new information, no, no leads, no suspects. Her husband, um, James, was of course kind of automatically assumed to be a person of interest. People had doubts about him and what his involvement was, but he always maintained that he had nothing to do with what happened to Allie. Um, and so, yeah, that's what we knew about the the case for a long time. And then this episode, we covered this episode in August 2021. And then in October of 2021, um, there was information released that there was a suspect that was being officially named in Allie's disappearance. So not an arrest, but a suspect. Um, And that was Dwight Aldridge, who was the man that Allie had been seeing when her and her husband had separated. And so that was a really big, a really significant, you know, revelation about the case. Now, of course, like I said, he has still to this day not been arrested or charged. But um, after years of absolutely nothing and really having no information about this case to have a suspect and have a a suspect that has um potentially motive and 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 you know a connection 
a personal connection to the victim is huge. That's a big, that's a big deal. So um, that's where we are in Ali's story. And so even though we had that information, obviously, like I said, without the arrest and without ever finding Ali, it's still a story that needs to be told. We have something, but we don't have everything. So. Yeah. And uh, something is always, uh, you know, a start in, in any case. Yeah. Um, and um, as we, as we do after thoughts, we do acknowledge that, you know, these are just some of Amara's thoughts. So, yeah. you know. But let's get to um before we get to questions, let's get to just an overview of um what you feel about these cases. And I know a lot of the times um you pick cases for a certain reason. Mm-hmm. But these are all three missing cases. Um, of course you wanted to highlight the cases, uh, because as you say, you know, some of these stories are not told and they're not put um, yeah. on the uh, mainstream media. Mm-hmm. So tell me something about these cases that you feel like um, is just like similar or, you know, um, makes you feel, you know, a, a stronger reason why you did, <laughs> why you, you know, why you picked three, these three uh, cases uh, to cover, you know? Well, you know, like I said, all of these cases have different um, meaning for me. And I guess, you know, there's a different connection to each one of these cases or why I chose. I mean, you know, there's always different reasons why I I chose cases. But like I said, in order to bring these cases back to the surface, they were stories that I know that, number one, have not gotten the attention that they deserve. That was the the first thing. Sometimes I tell stories that have gotten a little bit more attention than others, or sometimes there are stories that have been featured on Dateline, or I even tell the solve stories. But these particular missing person cases, even in the uh, media around them. Now, Allie's story is a little bit different because at the time of her disappearance, and this was 2006, it was a bigger story in Tallahassee, you know, and 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 like I said in the episode, there is of course a difference between local media and national media, and a lot of times local media will tell these stories and follow these stories, but they never get kind of ele- they never get elevated to that national level. So in Ali's case, it was a story that was a, was something that people in that area knew about. However, both the Jennifer Blackman case and the Darian Hudson case, the similarities in those cases is that there wasn't a lot of attention to those cases. Yeah. Even, um, like you said, they're, they're not cases that took place a long time ago. Even Darian's case, we're talking about, that was only five years ago. There should be way more um, articles. And, you know, I know Stillwater is not a big place, but it, it's still, she still went missing, you know. And there's, you know, the Dateline Missing in America covered her case. And so there's been some attention, but... Not enough. Not enough people know about these stories. Um, and so that's one of the reasons why I, you know, picked those two stories particularly because of the lack of attention that that they've gotten. And then, you know, I covered them and 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 wanted to make sure that people heard them. Like, that's the whole reason why I told them in the first place. So, you know, to make sure that these stories were brought back out. They weren't very long episodes when I first did them. And so um, I just wanted to make sure that they weren't missed, you know, like that people saw these stories and heard about these women. Um, so, yeah. Uh, anything that um, 
stands out to you or strikes you in the cases where you feel like um, there was a lackadaisical effort um, and just put it, putting together the, the pieces, whether, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, I I think all of these stories, honestly, I mean, when, when you think about, obviously, Jennifer Blackman's story, one of our biggest things is that we just, we don't have a lot of information. There's not been this huge push on behalf of law enforcement to find Jennifer, to get her story out there. Um, and, you know, so there's, there's a, there's a ball dropping in that. And so when you look at all of these stories, um, there's, there's an element in all of them where there's probably things that someone could have done differently in terms of the investigation. When I look at Darian's case, there are things about her case that are just, they're different than Jennifer's case. And like I said, we do have information about some of Jennifer's last movements. We know that her the the car that her daughter um, owned that she was driving was found on the block where her ex-husband lived. Um, What we know from the story, um, from the information that we had at the time was that her family had hired a private investigator and that the private investigator had found out that Jennifer's phone had last pinged at the ex-husband's house. But we don't have any information about any reason why she would be there. Uh, As far as we knew at the time, he wasn't being very cooperative. He wasn't helping in the searches, according to her family. I don't know how or if that has changed since then. But um, so there there are things that we know. There's, There's things that the investigators... Um, could be following and probably, and maybe perhaps are following. Maybe, you know, they are like they said, this is an open investigation, but it's just, it's that's always hard when it's been this long and there has been very little. When you talk about Darian's case, there are, to me, more things, you know, there's, 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 there's a lot of questions about what happened to Darian. And I think the fact that there isn't this d- direct connection to um, an intimate partner or someone who you kind of would pinpoint to being a, a a a main suspect in a case like this, those elements didn't really exist in, in Darian's case. And then you have the, um, the sighting of her by the construction workers, you know, outside sitting, looking like she's waiting for someone those type of things. Um, the thing that always bothered me about the story, well, 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 part of Darian's story, was the fact that, so a month after she goes missing, you know, the, the her credit card or debit card is being used, right? And this is the first time that it's been used since Darian went missing, as far as we know. This is because they're, they she, they know that she's been missing, so they're looking for any activity on her bank account. So the bank, you know, the credit card, debit card, I keep saying credit card, the debit card was used. And when they talk to the person who used it, they say, oh, I found it inside of a purse hanging on like the ledge of this construction site, blah, 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 blah. But when they find... Darian's hoodie. Later on, they find her hoodie in the in the woods when they go searching. They find her wallet inside her pocket, and inside her wallet is her ID. And it always just very, struck me as very very strange that number one, 
her debit card and her wallet would be separated in that way. You know what I mean? And it's not, you know, I guess I shouldn't say that's that strange because sometimes I just throw my debit card in my bag and I don't, you know, but it was the fact that the wallet was inside the hoodie. Yeah. It would, if it had been the opposite, that wouldn't have been as strange to me. If the debit card had been inside the hoodie pocket and the wallet was inside the bag, then you could have been like, well, maybe she went somewhere and just stuck the debit card inside her hoodie. But why would she stick her wallet inside her hoodie and her debit card and her purse and then be separated and those two things be separated? That was always very strange to me. And then, of course, it was always very strange the timing in which, like I said, the debit card was then used because she had been missing for a month. And it would very it was very strange to me that you would hold on to this debit card that you had found and then suddenly try to use it. Because your assumption is that if you find someone's debit card and if you don't use it within, if you're a thief, we're talking about a thief, right? If you're a thief and you want to use the debit card, your best chances of getting anything from it is to use it immediately before the person realizes that it's gone and cancels it. Yeah. So the fact that you would try to, out of the blue, use it a month later yeah. is very strange to me. Yeah, that's strange. It's very suspicious. So those things about her case um, were were very, very strange. Um, like I said, Allie Gilmore's story has a lot of a lot more different elements because of the fact that it did get so much of that local attention. And I do think that there was a push really to find Allie. I do think it's very interesting that it took so long for them to name Dwight Aldridge as a suspect because the information that they were able to gather was through cell phone records. And I'm I don't know why they wouldn't have checked that back in 2006. I don't know what what the delay was in, in trying to figure out, because that's that's how they're able to name him as a suspect, because they check his phone records, he lied about where he was, and that's why they're able to name him as a suspect now. Right. But I don't understand why that took so long. So if you talk about things that went wrong and connected, that to me was a was a was something that seems like a misstep on behalf of the police. Honestly, they, okay. I feel like they could have found that out a lot sooner. Yeah, and, and um, so this is an alley story. Yes, an alley story. We have a question, uh, Spotify question. It says, "From alley story, mm-hmm. has anyone checked into the desperate mother theory? Maybe someone wanted the baby." Yeah, that's always um, a possibility. And if you've watched Lifetime, mm-hmm. even for just a day, twenty-four hours. Yeah. You've seen the story before. Yeah, I mean, sadly, Um, it happens more often than people know and think. And a lot of times, I mean, we've covered stories of other um, pregnant women um, that have gone missing. Uh, We did the story about Monique Rivera, who wasn't pregnant, but she had recently given birth. Her son was only six weeks old. And we're pretty sure that she was targeted for her baby. So it's not an unrealistic possibility. Um... Like I said, I think that the fact that police have identified Dwight Aldridge as a suspect is is significant. I think that they are possibly narrowing in on being able to arrest him. But they, you know, they also said that they don't have everything that they need, which is another reason why I wanted to bring this story back because police are still looking for evidence. They're not. They're not saying that this is the person who did it. A suspect is a suspect. You know what I mean? And so you doesn't always mean that 
that's the person who did it. We know that there's been people who've been named as suspects in, in crimes and turns out it wasn't them. So um, this is no way saying that we know 100% any, anything. We just know that out of everything and all of this time, he seems to be someone that based on what they know now, they feel comfortable enough naming him a suspect. Uh, the one thing I, like I said, I and I said this in the opening to, to the re-release of the episode, that one of the things I don't, didn't know at the time, and I don't know, I, did, I guess I just didn't see it in any of the reporting that I had found about um, Allie's story, was that Allie actually didn't know who the father of her child was. And this is according to her sister, that because she had separated from her husband and she kind of thought that the relationship was, I guess, over with her husband. I don't know. She had started this new relationship with Dwight. But when she got back with her husband, I guess there was, I don't know. I don't know the details, but there was some, um, I guess, question in her mind about who the father was and that apparently Dwight knew that there was a possibility that he was potentially the father. And he had even gone to an ultrasound appointment with her. And then, um, and her sister had like emails between them. And then suddenly like the relationship started to, deteriorate. He decided that she was acting different or I, I don't know, whatever the the problem was. He he had issues. They started having issues. Um, but this is something that I did not know at the time when I did the the original episode. But that's a significant detail in the story. Like if if she thought that Dwight was her her child's father, then that adds a different layer to their relationship because she wasn't done with him. You know what I mean? It wasn't like, oh, I'm done. I'm getting back with my husband. I know, you know, I thought that me and my husband were done, but we have decided we're going to go to counseling. And 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 in fairness, she wasn't really completely back with her husband at that point because they were still going to counseling. Remember, he didn't show up for the counseling session. So they weren't back living together. They were just deciding that they wanted to work on their marriage. And so that's where they were at that point. But that's, like I said, that's a significant um, detail of the case. And that's why I think it's interesting that whatever they learned about Dwight, which, you know, according to them was this, the cell phone records. I don't know if there's anything else that they're not telling us. But based on what they learned, it seems like they, they could have figured that out a long time ago, 15 years ago, 16, what you about? Seven, 17 years ago. And they, they would have been able to... Um, name him as a suspect, then I don't know why that took so long. So that that just bothers me because it seems like a lot of time has been been wasted. So yeah. but yeah, so that's my that's my things right there. Um, Those are my things. So yeah. <laughs> so uh this week we're not gonna do um too many questions. We had a we had a question, but we did have a lot of comments um this week. Um, as we end the show this week, mm-hmm. um, it is Mother's Day coming up on Sunday. Yeah, it is Mother's Day. On and, um, you know, a, a lot of these stories, these young ladies were mothers. Yeah, Jennifer had four kids. Um, Has four kids. Yeah. And it's uh, it's just... You know, a sad thing when you you reflect on a mother and a mother's love and yeah, and what uh, they what, mean to what, their kids. Yeah, man. and even in Darian's story, I mean, she didn't have she didn't have children, but she has a mother who's not missing her daughter again. Yeah. You know what I mean? Who doesn't have her child on Mother's Day? You know what I mean? And and that's 
as sad it's it's it those are two sad things a, a motherless child and a childless mother you know what i mean yeah. like those things are sad and so yeah you know it's 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 things that make you um try to be grateful you know what i mean for 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 the people that you have in your life and realize that these things you know these these people are not um Anomalies. These, these things happen to people. Bad things happen, and and it could happen to to anyone. You know what I mean. And so, um, yeah, I you know my heart goes out to um, Jennifer's family, her children, Darian's family, her mother. You know, Allie's family. You know, her sisters, her mother. Like those those that it's it's you know they've they've had to you know live with this burden. Um, some longer than others, but just as heavy. They, you know, it doesn't matter if it's been ten days or ten years. The burden of not having your loved one is is heavy. So, um, so yeah. So, like I said, these stories need to continue to be told. Um, I know a lot of you had heard these stories, but a lot of you hadn't heard these stories. And so, if you listen to them again for the second or third time, um, I appreciate it. The, you know, the families appreciate it, just because. I know that they want these stories out there. We want yeah. these stories out there. Um, and um, it's just, it's always a good thing to just um, know the names. You know what I mean? Like, even if it's, you feel like there's not much that you can do. Like, you know, like, I'm just little me in my little house. Like, it's it's knowing. It's the, it's the, it's the, it's the presence. It's the acknowledgement. It's sharing, sharing it with people that you know, people that you know that listen to podcasts or just, on your social media, um, it helps to uh, elevate these names and elevate these stories. And you never know what that impact is going to bring to these cases, which is always the reason why we tell them every, yeah. every time. Yeah. Well, um, from us to y'all, happy Mother's Day yes, to all the moms. happy Mother's Day to all the moms out and, there. Um, Love y'all, man. Yeah, we love you. So I love my wife. She's a mother. My mother-in-law, my mama, all the mothers that um, yeah. have shout mothered. Shout out to the mamas. Yeah, shout out to it's y'all. It's hard working out here for the mamas. Yeah. But um, yeah, so I appreciate you guys, I've, um, as always. Um, thank you for listening again to these reloaded or re-released episodes. We're going to do it again. We're going to tell um, other stories and bring them back to the surface and do the same thing. We have other episodes that uh, I want to re-release and do afterthoughts about. But we will be back next week with a new episode of Black Girl Gone. And then, of course, we will be back on Thursday with our afterthoughts. So we will talk to you guys next week. Bye. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.